Welcome to Co-Pilots! Hey everybody, my name is Sean. Well, we already said that, right? Like we already said, I'm Sean and I'm Andy. Yeah, so you can say it again. You never get never gets old. All right. Well, I'm Andy Secunda. No, Um, that's not. Oh, you're misleading them. Hey everybody, welcome to Co-Pilots. I am Sean Conroy. And I'm Andy Secunda. On this podcast, we talk about TV pilots, the first episodes of television shows. Sometimes pilots become long-running series. Others don't make it past that first episode. We're going to talk about all of them. The great pilots, the bad pilots, the weird pilots, the forgotten pilots. We are TV writers, but it should be noted that we are the dumbest TV writers you know. So all of these are just our dumb opinions. So dumb. So today we're talking about Walker, Texas Ranger, the pilot of an amazing, amazing show, an amazing time in American life. The show debuted in April of 1993. Just to give everybody a little bit of context on April 1993, just two days before this, the Branch Davidian Complex in Waco, Texas burned to the ground thanks to interference from the Department of Justice. Mm. So there was a lot going on in Texas when the show came on. The most popular song in the country at that time was... Informer by Snow. You were a big Snow fan, right? That's true. It was really, if you look in my my room at that time, it's just posters of Snow. You love Twelve Inches of Snow, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. There was also a big announcement right around that time in television, which was that David Letterman. This happened a few days after Walker Texas Ranger came on. David Letterman was going to be replaced by a young comedy writer named Conan O'Brien. And everybody thought that was a crazy decision. Nobody ever even heard of this guy. Have you have you heard of him at this point? Uh, I did. I, I, I actually worked at the show for two years. Was he any good? Um, yeah, I mean, he, he lasted a very long time on that show, and I was there for two years of it. And I remember watching it in the first episode with Andy Blitz, uh, who we both know. And um, I think we both... Who also wrote for the show. Right. And both of our reactions were, that's it. He's going to do all the comedy. We're never going to get to do any comedy (laughs) because he'll have done all of it. It turned out to not be accurate, even though he did a lot of great comedy. You liked what he did. Yes. And then I got to work on it. Right. So we have this amazing show based on the movie Lone Wolf McQuaid. Uh, the show ends up lasting nine seasons, and it's all thanks to this pilot. I don't know that I've ever, as a matter of fact, I know, I have never seen a full episode of Walker, Texas Ranger before I have watching seen this pilot. zero Walker, Texas Ranger before today when I watched the pilot. And I'm assuming you, like myself, know this primarily as a punchline. <laughs> sure. Like, not even that, because it's not like I watched that Conan O'Brien show where it became a punchline. Right. Uh, Which but, happened after my time, by the right, way. So. Right. Um, but I just was aware of Chuck Norris as a cultural figure. Right. And just had no... I had no opinion on Walker, Texas Ranger, except that it was probably not good. I only knew it as a as a bit and uh, as like a thing to make fun of. I mean, it's what, what it last nine seasons. Yeah. So the joke's on me, really. Right. <laughs> but it was very interesting, kind of entering it, this and watching this cold because it's such a it's such a snapshot 
of an action movie, really, uh, aesthetic at that time. Going way back, like I felt like a lot of it was very almost 70s, you know? Yes. Like Chips, Dukes of Hazard, that kind of thing. Well, that's what's interesting about it is because it's TV, it's sort of a mixture of the kind of Schwarzenegger Stallone kind of uber man action kind of, you know, uh, kill line quips, even though nobody's really killed in this episode, as far as I can remember, mixed with the kind of the the ethic that that Chuck Norris grew out of. Um, in By the, the way, 70s. the deputy is killed in this episode. That is true. The deputy very is early on. Yes, you have to establish his, guy in the world. His motivation that is yeah. forgotten for eighty percent of the episode, <laughs> and then hastily brought back at the end. <laughs> what about this guy? Go and visit his grave. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of weird shit in this pilot. <laughs> anyway, it was really fascinating to watch as this snapshot of. It was just they were clearly aiming for such a specific demo. So this was derived from Lone Wolf McQuaid. I can't vouch for that 100%. I can say that I saw something today on the internet, which is a great place for getting information, but also misinformation and disinformation. So So this was carefully researched by you. I don't have a big staff, so... (laughs) Um, but for your your senses, this was derived so from... So Lone, Lone Wolf, Wolf McQuaid came out in 1983. Right. I believe Chuck Norris played a Texas Ranger. And I think when they were putting this together, they were like, let's have him be a Texas Ranger. It worked so well in this movie. Kind of like, uh, if, I was, if I was the writer of the original thing, I would be very frustrated that uh, they basically... <laughs> <laughs> but let's give him a different name. <laughs> but it has definitely the feeling, particularly the beginning, uh, which I do you want to just get into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just the beginning when it has Chuck Norris in the big letters is Walker, Texas Ranger. It has the feel of a Chuck Norris movie. Right. Immediately. And the and his his pickup truck coming over the horizon. Well, I could see them just going, let's let Chuck Norris be Chuck Norris. Sure. Know? And why not? It's a great idea. It's actually surprising. I would like to dig in and find out if Steven Seagal ever tried to do this before he did his reality show. Because if not, he may have thought been too big for his britches and thought, no, I'm bigger than TV. But this is what preserved Chuck Norris in the American consciousness mm-hmm. for so much longer right. than uh, than he would have. It enabled him to sell a lot of those uh, home gym equipment things. Yeah. I mean, that's really what... That's, Abs or sizer or whatever, whatever the thing is called. And I think as a Chuck Norris fan, that's what I, what I look to mostly as his, as his greatest work. His crowning achievement. Yes. I also, you know, I'm sure there are people telling Seagal all the time, you got to stop wearing britches because they don't fit anymore. <laughs> so uh, why don't we get into it and start talking about Walker? Okay, so Texas. we... I'm t- I was doing. T- oh, okay. The small, okay right? Spreading it out. Walker, Texas. Right. He was a ranger. <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah. So we open, and there, you know, there's some weird cinematography at the beginning of 
the very first shot, and I meant to look this up, and of course I don't have a staff to research this for me, but the very first shot is they pan across to a tree and then zoom in on the tree. It's like a pan and a zoom. Yes. And uh, it's a weird looking shot. They have... That you're right. It's almost that is going to your point about 70s. That is an almost 70s right. sort of style, but it's a mishmash of styles right. because they also it's it's a lot of flat TV kind of just, you know, shots at sort of waist level mm-hmm. and then there's it also has a ton of canted angles in this shot, which right. is sort of an off-kilter angle that suggests like a little bit more menace and and it's just constant throughout this right so. there was there was times when i was like is this am i watching batman with adam west <laughs> like the way that things were tilted it was yeah. it was anyway at the end and i won't i won't spoil the ending but i will say that at the end of the whole thing i was like i get why television was ready for the golden age you know this was 93 to 2001 so by the end of the run of this show there were people going, Jesus, fuck, we got to get something else out there, you know? And it was on CBS, and I feel like it's sort of, it wasn't indicative of what later happened on CBS, but it was, it sort of feels like it was playing to the heart of what CBS's sort of uh, audience would have been, what their demo would have been. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, it's interesting, because I'm thinking of it as more of an older crowd that would have been watching it, and I wonder if you break down the demo, how much was children because they have so many children plots as well as the the classic conan bit with Haley joel osmond that mm-hmm. is that is uh you know a walker uh told me i have aids i believe i read about that today i didn't you know again my research staff brought me some stuff so we open on a robbery a, an armored truck robbery i guess um the truck has already been crashed there are one of the guards from the truck is wounded. The other guard is is embracing him as he bleeds out. Or I don't know what was going on between those two, but the bad guys are trying to figure out what they should do. And they immediately are like, hey, you know what's in these bags? A lot of honey. It's going to sweeten things for a long, long time. And the other guy says, well, the only honey I like walks on two legs. Ha! So he, he likes women. He's saying he likes women. And apparently... Uh, he doesn't like money or, or honey, I guess. Actual honey. He doesn't like actual honey. Right. He only likes women. So I don't know why he's going on these. Right. Well, the the, the, the actual honey crimes. thing is not is not a big deal. But if he doesn't like money, he should not be doing this. <laughs> really I, I also was fixated on the fact that one of the... So they look at the guards, the wounded guard and the other guard. Right. And one of the guys says, what do you want to do with them? Leave them? Yeah. And the other guy goes, in this heat, in the middle of nowhere, buzzards got to eat too. Yeah. So he's saying, let's let these guys die in this heat. They're sure. going to they're gonna, they're gonna bake to death. Meanwhile, apparently that was not communicated to the costuming department because there are four bad guys. One of them is wearing a wool work shirt. Another guy is wearing a hunting jacket. Another guy is wearing a canvas duster. And the last guy is wearing a fleece vest. It's also in no way an abandoned, like, remote area. It's like, like around like, a curve. It's, it's, like, it's like four different intersecting roads at right. that section. And I'll also say about what you're saying about the buzzards line right off the top. Because there's so much kind of just strained colorful dialogue between the criminals in this 
Ben, they're so proud of their buzzards line that later in a later scene when we come back to them and it's just them hanging out in a bar, they're still like, you know, laughing. I wonder if the buzzards got them. <laughs> I remember when they got the well, buzzards line. I, I, I think the reason for that was because we never get an explanation of how Walker, Texas Ranger found them at that place. And so when they say, like, I wonder if the be- buzzards got him, another guy says something like, oh, or what? Did they, did they make a phone call and call the police or something? Oh, that's why that. Yeah. And so we're like, yeah, they did. Here, here come the police. Because <laughs> you left them in a highly populated suburban area to die. You thought they were going to bake to death, and it's 40 degrees outside. <laughs> One of them got hypothermia, as he was supposedly. Um. So, yeah, so these guys, oh, so that's when we start to see Walker, Texas Ranger in almost, it was almost like a Cone Brothers shot of the truck coming up over the... It's one of my favorite shots. Yeah. And then it really did in that, in that moment. And I, I think it's, I think it's fair to say even for most of this pilot, and I, I'm going to have a lot more problems than just the kinds of things Sean and I have already brought up with it, but... When I saw that and the truck is coming over the horizon with the with the heat lines and the the you know Chuck Norris is Walker Texas Ranger and this sort of it's like the movie Silverado kind of font and the the typical 90s sort of guitar I'm just like I'm kind of in. This is great. This uh-huh. makes me want to watch Invasion USA, like, and all the rest of his ridiculous right. action movies. Like, yeah, sure, go for it. Right, and we don't see him initially. We see like his hand on the wheel. We see his boot. We see. We don't get a full glimpse of him at all, which I think is is great in a pilot. Like, it's also typical '90s action hero it, reveal. Yeah, from it's like this time. wait until the exact moment when right. we we know who it is. I also, you know, not to get political, but it did make me understand a little better the the whole border crisis thing that's going on because the only thing we saw to let us know this was the border was a small, a tiny wooden sign tacked to a tree that said uh, Mexican border two miles. And, and it's like, no wonder we need to build a wall there if people are just looking at a li- Like, how are you going to even see that sign? You know? <laughs> You're saying some people may not even know what side of the border they're on. Yeah. Based to, if yeah. We're to, uh, like, we need to leave the show. There needs to be something else. Um, anyway, then, then we see these bad guys in their... It's in a bar, which is in somebody's house, which was a little a little confusing to me um although i guess in college we had a bar in our in our room uh but <laughs> is that what it's saying they're, they're in a dorm room <laughs> but uh chuck norris shows up to the bar and they all stop talking yes and he just goes to the bar right and gets himself a beer and without turning around he says you boys are all under arrest this is this is to me it's also classic of action heroes of this time uh-huh. that they are so intimidating in terms of their presence and just the raw power that the criminals sense that in this room, I'm assuming full of criminals, I assume it's not even just the people that pulled off this heist at the beginning, mm-hmm. but everyone's a criminal in there, that Walker can walk to the bar, not face them, and still be unafraid that he's about to be shot, stabbed, or well, attacked that's, in any so, other way. So you're saying everybody else was a criminal. I don't think so, because what happens is when he says, you boys are all under arrest, 
Uh-huh. Everybody else runs out of the bar knowing that there's going to be trouble. And what I thought was weird about that was he never turned. Like, how does he know that's not the guys he's arresting running away? It just hears like scuttle, 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 scuttle. Well, that people to me running suggests away. Suggests that maybe they are all criminals. I guess they're that's either a that fair or, point, but or they're good townspeople that are like they're going to be trouble, and then they're just right, running away. But, but but it still doesn't answer the question of like. How does he know his people stayed? A hundred percent. And then, or how does he know that his people aren't going to attack him? Right. And it also is, it's an ongoing theme in this, in this pilot of, uh, he's very confident that none of them have firearms. <laughs> that these right. people who just pulled off a heist and blew up a truck. And we know, because we watched from the beginning, that they do actually have firearms. But he's still very confident that he can chuck Norris's way and, and kick the hell out of them and uh, and win the fight, which he does. And he gives us immediately what we want to see in a Chuck Norris scene, which is him doing his kicks and his punches and his, throw, and his throwing people. Right. Um, There's four of us and one of you. And he goes, that sounds about right. Which is that's a little bit of a of a tepid response. I kind mm-hmm. of expected him to, you know, do the well, do it, the once upon time one once upon time in the West kind of response and just go. He knocks one down and goes. Now there's three or something. Uh, but or, no, or just, the or the uh, and I'm sorry to like this shows how different our our experience of <laughs> cinema is. Yes, is that you reference once upon a time in the West and I'm like, or it's like the first Jack Reacher movie where there's five guys that he's about to have a fight with and he's like, you two guys, I'm going to break your arms. You two guys are going to run away and the last guy is going to drive you all to the hospital. Sergio Leone's uh, second greatest work is obviously the Jack Reacher. Yeah. Uh, Never go back. No. Is that the sequel? Or is yeah, that the, that's yeah, the right, sequel. Yeah. I can't remember what the... <laughs> Um, I guess we'll cover Jack Reacher, uh, the Jack Reacher series. True, yeah, yeah. At some point, um, so he so he knocks these guys out, and then he has to drive them back to the states where they apparently committed their robbery. So he has to go across the border, and that's when we find out what his name is, and that he does this on a regular basis. By the way, I did want to say that there was a moment when he gets out of his truck in the parking lot of the house slash bar that these guys are hanging out in. Yeah. Before he even goes in, he opens the back of his pickup truck. Like he lets down the the yes. gate of the pickup truck. Yeah. I I didn't understand what was happening and my first thought was was that an homage to the star of Puchinski opening the mailbox when he... It's just like in every pilot. You got to have somebody open, like drop something down. Without explanation. Yeah. Well, I don't want to <laughs> ruin the theory. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I believe that's always... He's always opening the up the flatbed because he's about to put the criminals in. Right. There. But that was the first... That's what I'm saying. That Your was the first, first time we gotcha. saw it right. and I was like... I get it. I get what's going on. This guy, whoever directed this, watched Puchinski, which came out six years later. <laughs> it is funny. One thing I was thinking about this with us having watched Puchinski so so recently is tonally, in terms of the insanity of tone, and I, you know, just sort of the the extremeness of action heroy kind of vibe. It's really just kind of missing a a crazy dog puppet. With Peter Boyle's voice, yeah, in it. yeah. <laughs> it's not that far off. Um, but this one went nine seasons because there was one missing insane element. 
Right. Um, I also liked, to your point about uh, the Mexico uh, border thing, that the immediately criminals are like, this is Mexico, Ranger. You got no right. <laughs> right. And he says, no right. Or, like, he does some joke about he hits him with a right hand or something like right. that. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. He says, no right? I, I think that I do have a right. Yeah, yeah. You, I think I have a pretty right. good right. I, yeah. I just hit you with my right hand. Yeah, it was a, it's a long monologue, he says. Yeah. It's just like, uh, hey, how about that right that I just Well, I just we'll get to his you. long monologue later, which actually <laughs> does a lot happen. of them. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the rest of the credits come up at this point. Uh, it was created by Albert S. Ruddy, who was one of the, the Godfather producers. Uh, Leslie Grief. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, Christopher Kane and, and Paul Haggis yeah. of Crash, Million Dollar Baby. He wrote some Bond films, just like massive success. Uh, and I think he also was, I don't, I don't know if it was just sort of that it was connected to, but I believe he's also instrumental in the reboot of of uh, Walker, Texas Ranger called Walker. Right. Yeah. He he. So I have a quote here from Paul Haggis. Great. Because he, he, you know, like you said, Million Dollar Baby and Crash. Yeah. The first time a screenwriter had ever written Oscar-winning movies two years in a row. Yeah. He also very famously left uh, Scientology. There was a huge New Yorker article about him leaving Scientology, which I remember reading and noticed that again today. Um, but he said of Walker, Texas Ranger... I agreed to write the pilot because I thought it would just go away, but it became this huge hit. And I remember waking up at three or four in the morning in a cold sweat, dripping wet. I mean, I was drenched. I just pictured my tombstone and it said, Paul Haggis, creator of Walker, Texas Ranger, 1993. And then you so pull the, back and you see uh, Chuck Norris standing over the grave. With saying, a feather. Now yeah. it's time for payback. Yeah. So the impetus for making these movies is really just to wipe that image from my mind. Um, so that's why he got into writing uh, screenplays. See, uh, Sean, we don't have a, a big enough you know, black mark on our record mm -hmm. uh, to motivate us to actually achieve greater success. That's what Not the only black mark on Paul Haggis's record, by the way. <laughs> uh, he was uh, found guilty of sexual harassment by a, by a jury, which, by the way, I don't know any of the details of that, but I will say being found guilty in a civil trial by a jury of sexual harassment does not mean you can't uh, run for president of the United States. So uh, apparently not, not to get political, but um, I wonder if uh, if there's room for that on his tombstone. I'm, I'm talking about waking up with Texas a cold Ranger. sweat in the middle of the night <laughs> crash. And then you have his record. <laughs> uh, anyway, we so, he, so he gets these guys back to the States and then we see where he hangs out. Right. Correct. Is that the, that was the, the next scene is when we meet CD. Right. In CD's bar. And played by, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this correctly, Gaylord Sartain. Oh, you're definitely pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> Pronunciation isn't one Just of my... Just rolls off the top. My foremost skills. Uh, who's typing. this? And he's this starts what is an impressive amount of exposition from this character. Like, Holy they will shit. stop the show... Yeah. For him to go into a description of not just his own backstory, but other characters' backstories, unashamedly, just endless. And in this one, it's like it takes a lot of concentrating. He's typing at a typewriter, takes a lot of concentrating to be a writer. And Walker goes, yes, especially if you're writing about all the stuff you got us into when you were a ranger. One little bullet wound in your leg, says CD, and them doctors go all to pieces. 
So it's it. This is all to set up the. He's both writes an advice column. He also runs a bar. He also was a Texas Ranger. Was a Texas Ranger, which by the way comes into play later when he walks into a bank they all think is going to be robbed while it's under surveillance. And I don't mean to get ahead, but while it's under surveillance by Walker and his partner, he just goes, "You can't stop me. I'm going in." Like <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, they're hanging out in the bar. That's when the young deputy comes in, Mobley, Mobley, and and they, you know, they 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 know that his the woman he loves wants a wedding ring. So much stuff. Yeah. Um, the, and he bought her jewelry that turns out to be fake, and uh, from and, oh, I didn't catch it. Harriet Wilson's trading post. They're doing a lot of world building. Yeah. Is that? I don't know if we're ever going to see that, but I just thought it was bizarre that, you know, Harriet Wilson, like, again, talk about a name that rolls off the tongue, you know? And there's so much exposition, it's hard to tell when they're setting up the world, like, oh, Harriet Wilson is going to be good at that old con Harriet Wilson who sells fake jewelry. Oh, she got out of jail? Or if it's just like, no, it's just to set up that Mobley bought fake jewelry because, as CD says... 15 years as a cop, five years as a ranger. I don't think I've ever run into anybody as innocent as he is. So it's like just to say his own backstory and that this guy is innocent. So just, that when he gets killed, we're, we're sad. We're sad. Yeah. So much setup for him to be killed immediately, which I kind of actually in retrospect thought was heroic because as soon as he faces criminals alone, like, oh, he's the, he's the classic action cop movie sacrifice sacrifice yeah. to motivate the hero again as i say at the beginning and then at the very end and not at all in the middle <laughs> right when i was a kid i had a, a book called jokes puns and riddles uh-huh. and it was all just street jokes and it was jokes like the joke at the end of this. Like, I feel like they used a book like that at the end of this scene. Yes. To get out of the scene of... Or at most scenes. Somebody who... I don't know if they were supposed to be from another part of the South or from another country. They had an indeterminate accent. Right. Yes. And she was like, do you serve tourists here? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very accurate. He's like, we used to. We couldn't chop them up into small enough pieces to fit them on a plate. It's just like, what? that's, it's just, ah, these fucking foreigners, right? <laughs> America? It's just like, that's it? <laughs> and they kind of, but they get, they play it both sides of it because they're like, we're late, we're are leaving. <laughs> and then... He's Walker's, kidding. He's Walker kidding. assures yeah, him he's yeah. kidding. And then they kind of smile at each other like, oh, this guy's great. And then sit down. But you know that in the in the cut scene, like, what happened after that was they actually were served human flesh on a plate. They, I think that what he was saying was they chop up the foreigners themselves and serve them on a it plate. It was foreign human flesh. It was somebody else who had had the same issue when they came in. I mean, I would have liked to have seen that scene. That would have hooked me. Uh, so then we go back to Walker's house and we meet his uncle Ray, right? Who is Native American, and he is his Alfred. Yes, I, I I know he is his Alfred. At first, I was like, I wrote to myself, "Is he his Alfred?" And Uncle Ray says, "I asked the same question of my tribal chief, 
with of course the uh, some 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 sort of indigenous folk music stereotypical music playing played uh, underneath uh when you were given me to raise after your father died um which is just like again so much exposition that everybody is just stating their their backstory and what their relationship is immediately with no no elegance at all um but the main thing is that I was just like, oh, well, this, is this guy Alfred? And just to jump ahead a little, he is absolutely his Alfred because later on in the pilot, we realize he took care of him after her. Walker's parents, parents were, yeah, yeah. are killed and he was orphaned. Right. And, and yeah, that's what I was going to say is after your father died, I was like, are they going to tell us how his father died? Is that <laughs> did you even Did you have a question in your head? I knew it was going to happen. Um, so then we go to a we go to a bank where there is a blind man who gets uh, focused on by the cameras quite a bit. So it's it's confusing, and he's clearly wearing a fake beard and a hat and sunglasses. Right. So there's something going on with this guy. We don't quite know what it is. Right. And while the robbery is happening, they kind of close up on a teller lady. And uh, she does the most obtrusive and obvious move with her hand underneath the counter to hit the alarm. Um, and then immediately looks around <laughs> like the day player is really overplaying that that moment. As I much hope as she no one can. like the, her motivation was yes. I hope no one sees me. It's quite clear that is what her motivation is. Uh, so they they steal a bunch of money, but they're taking longer than they're supposed to. They're supposed to only have. 49 seconds left but they actually take longer than that i think they took 53 or i was i was i I couldn't count it um but as they're leaving the bank because they've taken too long mobley pulls up and has the drop on them yes and the innocent innocent mobley is killed before they can get into the escape wagon they have a station wagon that they're (laughs) gonna get away in and he they and this is when the the visually impaired man comes out and there's a weird shot of he has a cane and then the next thing is a close-up and he lifts a gun Mm -hmm. and so his neither of his hands had a gun in them so i don't know if uh if we're we're meant to assume that the cane somehow was a high-tech cane that turned it's like one of those sword canes but with a gun right right um, so he, he kills he kills Mobley and all those guys get away, and then uh, they're 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 very upset that that Mobley has been killed. They sure are. Yeah, uh, he never even had a chance to defend himself because he was trying to help the blind guy. Yeah, get away from the bank robbers. Didn't right. realize that guy was in on it. You see, the subtext is do not help the visually impaired people. Right. Um. And then we come back to, and I guess we're in the town hall or whatever is is where Walker Texas Rangers office is. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, yeah. It's some kind of government building of some right. sort, where you can have both the cops and lots of officials. Prosecutor. Right. So that's that's somebody we didn't talk about was Prosecutor Alex, who right. we met earlier when she was saying that there's no way he was going to get away with bringing those guys back from. Right. Mexico, and it Alex turns out the governor was thrilled. Cahill, played by Cherie J. Wilson. Um, I will say that I read a thing. This doesn't happen in this episode, but I read a thing somewhere that said that over the course of the nine 
seasons of the series. Yeah. Alex gets taken hostage 22 times. <laughs> that so, makes sense. Yeah. It can't just be guest stars. It's right. got to be. There's no stakes with guest stars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she also gets shot three times. Sure, so. It's actually a pretty good record. Yeah. Um, so she doesn't want to be insensitive. She knows Mobley has just been killed, but she, and this, this kind of, I was like, wow, that's really intense for the first episode. Yeah. She wants Walker to help out this 16 year old girl who has been raped, a circus performer who. Trapeze artist. Trapeze artist. Yeah. Which is a, it's a strange it's just a strange series of lines with upsetting information loaded in between. Mm-hmm. She was a trapeze artist. The circus is going to leave. Trapeze? How do you? What do you lean on? Trapeze. Trapeze. You Tra- le- trapeze. Trapeze or trapeze? <laughs> she was a trapeze artist. <laughs> um, and you also the thing. So it's like the kind of comical references to the circus with the upsetting information about her assault. And then on top of that is the, is the thing of her holding up the two headshots, two headshots, which are clearly like kind of high school, (laughs) you know, picture day kind of photos, except one's like, this is, yes, this is what, this is her. And then this is her with almost exactly the same background after these men were the violent attack. Yes. And, and it's clearly just to emotionally, uh, maneuver uh, Walker, and it's very interesting because he's clearly a person who will do anything for anyone. And both her and CD are—it's constantly this kind of thing of like her trying to get Walker to let them stay at his ranch, and he's like, "Oh no, oh boy, now mm-hmm. I got to do this." And it's sort of like it's a strange series of beats mm-hmm. to play with this character. That's kind of like, aren't you? Are you always gonna do that? Aren't you always the guy that like? So right. why? What? What is this schmuck bait of like? You're. I'm not gonna. He's do gonna it. say no this time. <laughs> right. It's like they're creating contentiousness between the characters because that's fun. Right. You know. And it's kind of like a very artificial refusal of the call in hero's journey terms. Yeah, I don't follow all that. Um. But then we then we go back to the bad thing. My call of understanding the refusal of the call. I I blocked you a long time ago. Well, you should check out my screenwriting page. Um, then we're back with the bad guys. And by the way, I found it difficult to keep straight who was who in this because it's all just like middle aged white guys with mustaches. It is a shocking lack of diversity, which is when they finally do into their they're leading up to who the replacement cop's gonna be. And I'm like Right, right, right. It, I'm assuming and as soon as he says he's from Baltimore, I'm like, oh all right. Yeah. Let's <laughs> have a tiny bit of diversity in the show. Uh, but in this except for Uncle Ray, in fairness. Right. In this scene, we figure out who the who the I think he was the guy dressed with the beard, right? Yeah. Was the chief bad guy? Yes. Who, by the way, is my he, that guy is my agent. I don't know if you know that, but yeah. Um, but he beats up somebody, so he establishes his karate ability in this scene. So we know somewhere down the line, uh-huh. him and Walker Texas Ranger are going to have it out. They're going to duke it out. They're going to they're going to they're going to have their the end of lethal the weapon yeah, mano yeah. a mano. Yeah. Um, 
and they're and we find out they're going to make a big score in five days. Right. There's some there's some plan in motion. Right. Yeah. Now. Then again, I'm like, who are these guys? And then I realized it's the three rapists in the truck. Right. Sitting across the street from City Hall, waiting for the girl that they attacked to be released. And is the idea to remove her as a witness? Or uh, I don't know. That's certainly not how they played it. I was never really clear on why they were sort of staking out and waiting to rush in to Walker. I felt anyway. like they were doing that because they were going to attack her again. That's that's the reason. I, I think so. They definitely were being lascivious. Uh, he goes. I forgot how pretty she was. The DA, right? The, the DA is not, not bad either. Right. And the other guy, the other, the voice of reason. What's the matter with you guys? <laughs> and the other guy says, "Just chalk it up to hormones." Yeah. There's a lot of strange dialogue. Yeah. That again, a lot of it feels like filler. It's like scenes that they would write in a in a movie, mm-hmm. and then you would just be like, "Oh, we don't need this. This is slowing it all down." Except in this, I I really feel like. They were like, oh, well, let's make it a big movie first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Right, because you could have had those guys just show up at the house and it would have actually been more scary when they showed up. Yeah, or even just the quick shot of them sort of at the thing and then we figure out after the fact why they're there. Like show, the, show them like sort of staking it out to heighten tension sort of. But um, but yeah, there's there's a ton of scenes that absolutely could be cut. Um, so then we're back at at uh, Walker Texas Rangers Ranch. He's not, he's not there. Yeah, but there's a bunch of circus performers making dinner and or making breakfast and setting the table. And Uncle right. Ray is there. We find out that Uncle Ray, one of the circus performers, who I wish I had looked up that guy's name because that guy's been in a lot of things. He's been in a ton of things. Um, but he uh, talks about how he he's a juggler. He always wanted to be a sword swallower. But he felt like it would be too difficult. And then Uncle Ray says, you get used to it pretty quick. And he shows a scar that he has because he was stabbed with a bayonet in North Africa in 1943. Like, again, more exposition, more backstory. And I'm not sure. The way everyone says information like that is just bringing everything to a halt. And they might as well be saying, and here's my backstory. Mm Mm-hmm. And the other character would be like, what's what's happening? Who are you talking to? What's going on? <laughs> um, but it's also like a lot of these backstories, like with CD uh, and and uh, with uh, Jimmy later and with um, Uncle Ray, it's almost like they're building Walker's badass. T- like everybody has their special skill or backstory right. that makes them a badass. Nobody obviously as much of a badass as Walker is, but... Um, but it also is sort of like, this isn't relevant to this episode. Right. Why, why are we hearing this? It's, it's the thing that people do sometimes in pilots where they're like, there's going to be really cool stuff about this person down the line, and this is the pilot, so we need to make sure everybody understands how cool they are. And that's what's fascinating is airtime is at such a premium in a in a pilot episode mm-hmm. we have so much to establish and in this episode it feels like they had too much time yeah they and could they, do whatever they wanted to yeah um i mean i will say they do it one at a time which is nice you know like you you know who each of these people is they intersperse it with 
various mobs of middle-aged white guys so that part is confusing <laughs> because you need to you need to have people stop and say which white guy they are right right um but the bad guys pull up to the house in their in their pickup and uh they're coming at, they're coming to get everybody or they're coming to get the girl the juggler tries the the, the other circus performer tries to attack them with his clubs yes juggling clubs and i will say that guy i believe does his own stunt there like where he takes the punch the Uh actor does which is interesting they don't have a well he works in the circus you learn a lot of skills actor that's the character he's playing sean Uh, although i guess he does know how to juggle so maybe he did work that's right he did do his own i'll also say before we get past this the the moment with the the uh the victim of the crime um, she leaves the room sort of upset uh, and not saying anything. And the uh, the other woman from the circus basically says, she keeps going off, it also has an, an uh, indeterminate accent. She keeps going off alone. We've tried, but she won't even talk about it. And it's sort of just like, all of, all of their attitude is that this woman who was very recently assaulted <laughs> is kind of just being a bummer about this still. Right. And not talking and not... Yeah, that was super weird. Like, <laughs> Very strange. Come on, open up. <laughs> you, this was three days ago that you were assaulted like that. What's the big deal? And then, yes, we go out on the porch and Walker has a 25-minute monologue about his life that we find out everything we need to know, which apparently solves her issues. Yeah. Oh, wait, does that happen here? Yeah. And and the other thing he drops there is I mean, we skipped over the part where he beats up the bad guys and and you know, breaks all their faces. He has a whole thing with one of them where the guy's like, "My nose is broken." And Walker fixes it and then goes, "It looked better the other way." And breaks it again. Yeah. Um which is how broken noses work generally speaking. <laughs> you can it's just like a twist switch. them back into yeah. place. <laughs> <laughs> I did enjoy that action moment, though. Yeah. At least that yeah. was that was pretty. Uh, anything that slipped into him being uh, a little too violent, I was sort of on board for because it, it had some spice to this pilot. Um, but also, it was in this monologue where he's telling Lisa that she's safe. That uh, that he he drops the uh, the information that his dad was a full blooded Cherokee. Uh, who's again more exposition used to ride bulls in the local rodeo for money and that was fascinating to me that they were playing him yeah is he is he of that descent so he's a quarter cherokee so okay then i guess uh they they made his real life part of the story of walker texas ranger apparently um, he does at this point talk about how they, the, the reason that, his, well, I don't know why his father gets murdered, but he, I think it's because he's indigenous. Right. Right. And he encounters so three men in shabby clothes, racism, stink of alcohol. And he makes a big deal about the, the carnival, which to get, well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Is that he says, I must've gone on that Ferris wheel. And I was like, Oh, he must've gone on it like 40 or 50 times. I must've gone on that Ferris wheel six times. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I, that didn't make sense to me. Like that doesn't feel like a must've gone on big exagger- exaggerated number. You know, <laughs> that is true. He's, it seems like he's leaning into hyperbole and then he doesn't, yeah. but I really was so, 
like as soon as he was leaning into this and I already had the Alfred piece of information, I was like, are they going full Batman on this? Mm-hmm. And then, cause it's already like, like him seeing Zorro, which is part of the Batman myth when he's kind of the carnival. Then his parents are walking away with him into the darkness. Then they're both killed. It's just like, I can't believe it. They are full. They're going full Batman down to the point where when he visits their grave at the end, it's it's very much like Batman standing over the graves of his parents, right? Um, and he's a he's a multi billionaire. Well, there's so, also that, yeah. yeah right? The 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 does, Walker Foundation. He does have a giant ranch and a manservant. I mean, Walker and Wayne are almost the same, the same name. Oh, you know? is that what the subtext is? Yeah. Um, so his father gets stabbed and get gets killed, dies right there. His mother gets stabbed, and dies two days later. Did they? The girl says, "Did they hurt you?" And he goes, "They hurt me real bad." Sure. So you have a lot of sympathy for him. Uh, and then she wants to know how you get over it. How do you get over a thing like that? You know? Yeah. You get over it. You never get over it. You don't get over it. That's what he says. Yeah. Didn't he have some other piece of information? He says, "Don't let you never your- get over it." But time heals it. What actually is that's. The most logical piece of advice that he has in the show. Right. Time has a way of making things better. Yeah. Uh, Don't let what happened, don't be destroyed by something that you could not possibly prevent, he tells her. And that fixes her. Well, yes. Then she's fine after that. She's great. Um, Okay. Now we come in on CD, who's taking him to see his new partner. Now that Mobley's been killed, he's got a new partner. And of everything in the show, this is the biggest CD, just exposition monologue. Grew up in Baltimore on the wrong side of the tracks. Got himself a football scholarship at Penn. Even to the point where they were like, well, this is insane. We should have Walker comment on it. And he goes, he goes, you sure know a lot about this guy. And it's like he then continues without like a break in the action. <laughs> like he's just got a cue card from him. Yeah, Cowboys drafted him. He tore his shoulder all to hell, figured his life was about over. But then uh, getting on the highway patrol is what saved him. It's just like it's endless. <laughs> he just, you know, he, and then you know what he did for fun? He tried to uh, modernize the whole department just for fun. And so it's like then it takes this turn. Walker seems like he's n- d- doesn't care. He, or he, even, he even says he's really on the cutting edge, which I don't even know what that means. It's it, it, he's having him, he's setting him up as like he's sort of streetwise. Then he's also kind of a nerd that's obsessed with modernization. Then he's also an ex uh, football player, which kind of comes into play because he tackles several people in right. this episode. And he's not afraid to do things outside the boundaries of what's allowed. Yeah, he's sort of an all purpose right. partner. Um, but they have to establish that that uh, Walker is like this is going to be kind of also a bickering cops vibes. Right. Like, yeah, it's just like uh, you know when he's talking about the modernization, he's like, yeah, tell you what, CD, next time I'm in a gunfight, I'll read it. And it's sort of like <laughs> I'm taking up a real strong stance on this thing you know very little about. <laughs> uh, I liked when he turned to CD and like so. Th- so they meet him. He's in a he's in a swimming pool. Yes, which is an opportunity to just have this guy show off his incredible body. His physique is in, and I will say this is Theo and Die Hard from Die Hard, who is the 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 hacker in Die Hard. That's so funny because I was like, is that the same guy? Yeah, it's the same guy. He was also Sundown in Top Gun. And 
Uh, I gotta say, they that guy really he he plays a nerd very convincingly. Yeah. And then you see him get into the pool. It's like Jesus Christ! Look at this. He's got the best pecs I've ever seen. <laughs> Sexiest man alive. Yeah. In a tiny bathing suit. I mean, you gotta you gotta give him credit for their like. Hey, we're leaving money on the table. Let's for no reason have this scene where this guy's getting out of the pool. <laughs> uh in a in a, get a in little a, get a little beefcake action in a here. thong yeah uh and th- but then walker turns to cd at the end of that whole scene and goes i'm gonna love him meaning he does not love him no yeah uh and is that the scene where he talks about his training drink or is that the next scene <laughs> Uh, I think training drink. He's getting ready for a marathon. He's carrot right. juice and parsley. He goes, he's just he's Walker's just the not complete opposite of Walker. Yeah, he's yeah. a four ki- four eyed commie nerd. <laughs> <laughs> there is no way this relationship will work out. Uh, Walker does not have pecs like that. Um, they're talking about the you know the information that uh, that Jimmy kind of found and. Uh, and and Walker says, I check too, without computers. <laughs> I don't use your your newfangled we are computers. Opposites. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're back with the other with the other the bad guys and they're trying to get explosives so that they can do something with explosives. And they're talking to a guy named Mr. Cobalt. And this is one in a series that begins this subplot of interview scenes yeah people are just most of which were with mr cobalt yes slowly offering their resumes and i worked with the libyans (laughs) it was just like yeah that ain't american um it's just like there's a lot of information that's it's like that to me is like i guess that's how they when they get later they track down cobalt and then they they interrogate him and it's just this is where the plotting becomes so slow mm-hmm. um, and there's just no need for this pilot to have been this long uh, that it's just like, uh, and it's uh, the, the same shot of the the bright light behind it and all these guys in a room that are supposed to have stopped Cobalt from figuring out who he was. And the guy gets pissed and he's like, get rid of him and let him know why I don't want him around or why it's bad to lie in a job interview. So then... Because he and, lies about the Libyans. Yeah, and then we see that in a in a shadow play, we see that they're beating him outside. Like we don't actually see it happening. We see their shadows on the wall. As just he was more of a stylistic choice than just avoiding doing the stunt. <laughs> um, then we're back with Walker and and Trivet. Is that his name? Trevet. Travet. Trivet. Trivet. And then I think Walker keeps calling him Trivet right. to, to aggravate him. And he does it, it once works. in a scene. He yeah. corrects him, and then two seconds later really no other dialogue he calls him trivet again and he walks away and and jimmy goes like he'll never get it right Mm -hmm. and it's sort of like well you he obviously was messing with you yeah uh but they have figured out that there's some kind of c4 thing going on and that they used c4 at the other robbery somewhere that they know about so they need to go talk to the guy at the gun store because he's the one who would know who has C4. So they talk to him. He wants them to buy SIGs. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, he, they have a little back and forth. Uh, where- I mean, even as you're going through this, don't you kind of feel the, the sort of the weight of all the 
various scene after scene where you're just sort of waiting for it to move forward and just sort of lumbering along. Well, I also thought it was so funny in the in the gun store when the guy does not want to give him any information. Yeah. And then he finally goes, all right, just between you and me, Walker. And the guy's partner is standing a foot away from him. Yeah. You know, like, does he just not see him? Um, don't tell the guy standing right next to you what I'm about to tell you. Uh, but they find out that there's a guy who has rocket launchers in C4, right. and his name is Cobalt, and he hangs out at the gun range. Right. So they go down to the gun range, and Cobalt immediately, he takes one look at Trivet, or Trivet, and he just runs. His name is Walker, he just can't get his name right. I'm just trying to bug him. <laughs> Um, can't get my name right so he runs he's scared of him and and walker doesn't understand why but luckily this guy was a wide receiver so he he chases him down what about his what was it torn knee what was the that was one thing that i didn't understand how did this end his career i don't know about being a wide receiver but Mm -hmm. uh he tore he tore his shoulder not his knee that was what it was i see so he could still run also it seems like it would give him problems with tackling all these people um, but he does, he, he catches him and then Walker drives up and he's like, I thought you were supposed to be in such great shape. You're, you know, what's, what's the matter with you? Yeah. Well, I ran and you drove. I mean. And he said, oh, next time you, you run and I'll <laughs> drive. And he was basically like, no, I don't think so. And it's just kind of like. What if we both drive? What if we both run? <laughs> like that was all on the table, I think. Uh, it's very inorganic. <laughs> they're, they're bickering. Although I I will say um, the uh, Jimmy Trevet, who's Clarence Gilliard Jr. I hope you're saying that right. Uh, my apologies. Uh, I actually think he passed away last year, not to oh, bring no. anyone down. But uh, he does a fine job in this episode. Yeah. I would say he's one of the best performances in the episode. As far as his acting. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Right, not as the character, but as the character too. You know, he does a lot of good. Right, he's a good, he's a good dude. He's a good cop. Yeah. Uh, well, good, he's got a good bad ranger. T- Do you call a ranger a cop, Sean? Do you? Know? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um. Right. That's. He has this whole thing about how he wanted to be the Lone Ranger. That that slow down that monologue break as we'll maybe you should call it uh, was the most astonishing. Of the the slow build to that where I come from, there's concrete and asphalt. You can't nobody can tell right from wrong. <laughs> this is really like playing to their to their uh, to their fan base of just like ah city folk, these motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, and then this guy comes along, speaking with the Lone Ranger, who does what he wants to do, total freedom. Uh, you know. Just and there's these military horns playing in the background. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting also that he's he's saying the Lone Ranger. This may be the dumbest question of all time. Is the Lone Ranger a Texas Ranger, or is he that just is a ranger? not the dumbest question of all time? But it's up there. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's 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 not like a. Are you saying is he with the National Park Service? I just didn't know if he's sort of a ranger. No, he's a, a more, Texas Ranger. In yes. a more generalized sort of. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah. He's an actual ranger. So he's a. So he's probably not an official ranger anymore. He was. He was. Yeah. So he's technically it's you know 
Lone Ranger is a is a misnomer. He's not really a ranger. Well, he's alone, but you know, he's once you once you a turn, disenfranchised lo, lo, ranger. Once you go ranger, you're never a stranger. You know, <laughs> I've never heard that, but it must be true. It's very catchy. Yeah. Um. So anyway, this guy wanted to be the Lone Ranger. He was living in the Wire. Now he's on this show, uh-huh. and uh, he 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 loves it. He loves his job, and he's a little. We find out that he's a little bit like he he will cross lines when he needs to because he busted Cobalt once before, and Cobalt got away with whatever it was. So he went and put. <laughs> Put snakes in his right. house. Yes. And I like the slow build to why Cobalt, every time he even sees him, is terrified once he comes into the interrogation room. He might have snakes! And he's terrified as soon as as uh, as Jimmy grabs him by the lapel. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it's just like, hey, it? and it's just sort of like, why? It's like, well, I put snakes in his house, turned off the power. And it's kind of like, it doesn't quite track. Yeah. <laughs> It would not be that immediate, it feels like. Right. It's like, uh, oh, he's going to strategize against me later? But uh, at this point, we're on a stakeout or something. I can't even remember what's... Oh, maybe Cobalt... Oh, they. Oh, so they... Don't they get a magazine at this point and call somebody or something? Yes. They set up a, a meet because right. Jimmy is going to kind of go undercover, right. which actually would have been a much more interesting, yeah. different plot mm. that they don't do instead they have that the people show up to meet jimmy and then he's a getting a parking ticket getting a, yeah his cops come up and he's getting a parking ticket and or he's getting hassled and so they they see it they get spooked and then there's a car chase instead the big the first big set piece car chase of the episode right which you can kind of i kind of respect and i have to assume that this show was built on a TJ Hooker style. Okay, these are going to be the big sequences where there's right. a fight, where there's a car chase, and everything else is just, you know, tenuous connective Window material to, yeah. to get to the next thing. Right. I'm guessing, and I, I think this is what you're saying, I'm guessing that in every episode, at about that point in the show there would be a big car chase. Or Although I wonder, because this was an hour and a half episode, if it's if in a regular episode, when it would come. Uh-huh. Anyway, Jimmy crashes his car. He ends up in the back of uh, Walker, Texas Rangers truck. Uh, they chase him. Then they they get away. I can't even... I, I'm, I'm so lost at this point in terms of... Not in terms of how complicated the plot was, in terms of my interest. I just was like, Ugh, I can't. <laughs> it really? Yeah. It really wears you down. Yeah. And it's for a show that should be just candy. Like, it's just Walker being a badass. It's just go from fighting scene to fight scene. Um, it's amazing how slow it gets in the middle. It's funny because I'm just thinking about the difference between this show and Spartacus, which was also so much about right fight, fight scenes, yeah, but so much more compelling and moved so so much faster, right? And it's not you know obviously it's 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 not fair to compare because it's you know whatever. Fifty years later, yes, <laughs> it's exactly right. But it's still just like you can feel the weight of it as you're watching it. Mm-hmm. But we get to find out that the CIA guy is no longer with the CIA. He's he's been freelancing because somebody some money got stolen, and they thought it was he turned in another guy for doing it, and then it turned out it was him. It's all that kind of stuff that people have been doing for a long time now, 
to undermine the intelligence community here in the United States. And I don't, again, I don't mean to get political here, but, you know. Sean takes it personally because he has a certain history in the intelligence community. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. Um, this is where we get to all the Lone Ranger stuff with the sappy horns. And then we get the attack on the on the ranch. Right, which I mentioned earlier, but which actually happens here. Right. See, that's the thing. So much of the stuff is so the same to me right. that I get confused as to when different things which happen. is interesting in one episode there's repeated that's why the 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 interview scene is sort of fascinating to me is it's just like there's one interview scene then there's another interview scene mm-hmm. and then there's also a separate they're higher than the Demo, demolitions expert and that's a separate testing thing right where they blow up a shed mm-hmm. and it's just like well that's just so they can see the explosion and have the thing where they're like uh, when does it go off? Nine seconds. Oh boy! And they run behind the car. One and of it's them like, is the guy who set the thing. I and know he's, he's panicking to run away from that. And it's just like these aren't even our main characters, or I think our main villains. Then they reveal the main villain again in that scene. It's just so unnecessary. It's such. My agent is in the car there. Such. <laughs> now are you saying that because he looks like your yeah, agent? Yeah, he looks exactly the same. <laughs> Oh, well. It was really weird. I was like, "Oh my god, Doug!" <laughs> I hope he's he's gotten your work, John. <laughs> he's getting more work than I am. But okay, so now we're in a scene where the CIA guy is talking to his henchmen, or he's maybe he's talking to his the guy who later becomes his henchman. Like some of them wear suits, some of them wear more casual f- clothes. I can never figure out who's supposed to be who, but he's the high status guy. But he goes, I knew this. One of the guys goes, I knew this was going to come back to haunt us. Uh-huh. He's talking about the murder of a Texas Ranger. And he's saying, I knew this was going to come back. As if anyone would be like, don't worry about it, Bob. <laughs> it's not a problem. No one's going to care. Everyone always knows if you kill a cop, that it'll be quickly forgotten yeah. by the police department. <laughs> uh, but they find out that Walker, Texas Ranger, is after them. And they they understand that he's the best of the he's the best of the bunch. But when they come at him in at, at the ranch, this is classic 90s action movie fight ballet mm-hmm. because they're all coming at him one at a time. They're all slowly, you know. Oh wait, is it where's you screwed up? You forgot to read us our rights. That's in that scene. That's in that scene. Yeah. Even though they're attacking the ranch? Yeah. <laughs> And then he says, you have the right, and he kicks him, to remain silent. Um, See, I would have gone a different direction. I would have said, you have the right and the left. Oh, See, there you go. It's a callback to what he said earlier in the episode. You're absolutely right. Could have been either one. Makes it more entertaining. And then Uncle Ray last. You don't have the right, but you have the left. (laughs) Um, And then Uncle Ray Lasso is one of them. Um, so it's a nice little action for, for Uncle Ray. Yeah, you, you could tell he knows how to ride a horse and throw a lasso even before he does it. And when this happens, he catches the guys at the ranch. At this point, we know about the second robbery. There's been all these interviews, and I'm like, there's like a half hour left of this. Sh- there's a third of the show is still left. And I'm like, are they going into like a heat level movie holdup battle? Like, mm-hmm. wh- what is what is this... And then they, we got more to do. We got to go to the bank and interview one of the tellers who like, was there a, was there a guy who came in? who was blind. It was about my size, black beard, Stetson hat. Yes, there was. 
That's maybe also the teller side note. One of the flattest, most robotic performances I have ever seen. Yeah. And this is the woman that they choose. And then she wants to know if Chuck Norris is married. For the flirty scenes. Yes. So there's some kind of... Now may I ask you a question? (laughs) Are you married? Boy, talk about chemistry, but talk about it somewhere else because it ain't here. (laughs) Anyway, Walker, he's not having having this lady on Quaaludes or whatever the hell's wrong with her. And he's just like, walks away. The, then we see the that the the other story is over. the The rapists are in jail. The girl the the circus is going to Waco. Apparently, the circus didn't realize what happened in Waco a couple of days before. There's nobody. Uh, there's nobody in Waco. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Who wants to? <laughs> there's nobody in Waco who wants to go to the circus. They've already had enough of the <laughs> fucking circus for two months now. <laughs> Then we get back to his office and he's had a package delivered. That's right. In between these, I think the chief is sort of like saying, look, what happened to Mobley, it's understandable you take this kind of personal. And I'm like, wait, Mobley? I'm like, oh, that's the the innocent cop from the beginning that he's so deeply invested in. Well, here's another another thing I thought was weird. Like you said, this is a long pilot. We're meeting lots and lots of people. And with all of them, we get like, he grew up in a shed outside his parents' garden apartment. And they, (laughs) they didn't love him. So he, you know. Then he comes back to his office and Mildred is there, who's clearly somebody that he works with every day. His his secretary or his coworker. I don't know what her job is. I don't know anything about her. I don't know right. anything about her because yeah. he just goes, hey, Mildred, and she's like, you got a package, and that's all we get right. from Mildred. Right. Well, you can tell she's she's got a little attitude, this Mildred. But I just was like, why are they spending so much time on everybody and zero on Mildred? Yes. Well, also, one could argue, why is there, why are there so, why aren't there more scenes of Walker being a badass if you're going to fill this pilot with stuff like there's definitely moments but uh kind of not enough to really grab us right uh but at least we have episodes later on in the series where like you know how there's always the episode where it's like let's follow this person for the day yeah there's a great mildred episode where they just follow her from it turns out that she has another job as a as a coal miner that she does all the time. Sure, that's how she can she can defeat those criminals by uh, shoveling coal at them. Right. Anyway, he goes into his office and he opens the package. There's no card. There's no note. Nothing. Doesn't know where it's from. It's a weird, ugly ashtray of some sort that looks like a toilet seat, basically. Yeah. With a fly on it. Yeah, it doesn't raise any alarm bells. And uh, then they get a phone call and the guy goes, oh, sorry, wrong number. Like, he directly called walker's office right but then goes oh sorry this is the wrong number and that's enough for walker to realize the ashtray is a bomb (laughs) it's not enough information (laughs) it's just an amazing deduction that he makes walker that's his instincts yeah that's why he can't beat walker so they survive the bombing so him and the other guy are like they're okay yeah cd but uh now they got to convince the captain that the four banks are going to be robbed, not just one. They're going to rob all four at the same time. There's no way you could rob four banks at the same time. Walker says you could do it by leapfrogging, which to me is just a classic bank robbery maneuver. <laughs> you want to leapfrog your way through the banks. The captain is trying to dissuade them from getting involved. He knows that it's personal for Walker. 
apparently. You take it too personal. Don't take it too personal. And Walker, you know, Walker says, I do take it personal. Yeah. So. And when do you get to Uncle Uncle Ray's dream? <laughs> when does that happen? I think that, I guess that's earlier. <laughs> And because it's like they have this big thing where he's telling you about the dream that's tied into the guy's spider tattoo. And there's a suggestion of like, it's like an ominous warning of things aren't going to go right at Does that happen the first time we meet Uncle Ray? No, it's in the middle. Oh. And and then it's called back at the end. The call back at the end. Because I guess I, you know what? I must have fallen asleep or something in the middle (laughs) because I missed the dream. I got what was going on. Yeah. But I just didn't remember it it happens in the middle. Yeah. And what's crazy is, as far as I can tell, this ominous dream that they bring back again, they bring the whole show to a halt to play the the, the, indigenous, the insulting indigenous yeah. folk music behind him as he's telling his dream, and then bring it back almost in its entirety at the end. As far as I can tell, there's no useful information in that dream that saves Walker, uh, Walker. Texas Ranger. No, although I guess we're going to get to that that moment. But he mm. basically just throws down his gun, chases the guy, and beats him. Right. So I don't even know what it's for. Yeah. There's yeah. also a side thing. There are a ton, and I think it. I think we're going to see more as we go back to more classic episodes of television, mm-hmm. classic pilots. There's several shots in this in this pilot episode of this series that are out of focus. They're like. Close-ups of a person that are clearly out of focus. And I was like, did they just not care as much in this right. time period? Because they were, you know, they, they, they were figured, well, they'll watch it on TV. Or it's just because shot on film that they're like, well, they don't, they didn't see it. So or they, or they measure or, right. Or, or did they just not have competent directors who were like, this is what we need to do, you know? Well, I guess it would be more the DP issue. but uh, I don't know how these things yeah. work. <laughs> Um, you know I, what? You know what? Pilot didn't have out of focus shots. What is it? John? Columbo. Is that true? Well, because Steven Spielberg, you know, he directed that pilot. Did he direct the pilot? Yeah. I didn't realize he directed the pilot. Well, it's a weird thing because it's it's a movie of the week, but the first one was he, oh, he directed. Wow. That's, a, that's a good chunk of change in his pocket. Um, although I will say I haven't watched it in a while, so if there are out of focus shots, that's going to change my whole opinion of him. Um, okay, we're on a stakeout. Walker knows they're going to hit the banks. He doesn't know which one's going to happen first. He wants to know why uh, Jimmy wears eyeglasses if he played in the NFL. Jimmy says he had contacts. He says, why don't you wear those? Women say the eyeglasses change the shape of my face. There's I just mean, a lot of... Just talk about things that you would see in the, the cut scenes on a DVD. Yeah. They're just like, oh yeah, I can see why they cut this. Right. They just leave it in. They got to fill out that two-hour movie time. This is where CD uh, goes by to go into the bank because he's going to get involved somehow, even though he's no longer a Texas Ranger. Now, I will say he has this speech... Uh, on the eve of the big uh, robbery. And it's it's clearly expositional like every other one of his monologues. But I do really like the writing in the monologue where he's like, well, Cordell, it's clear to me what's going to happen. You're going to ask the banks closed. They won't. You're, you won't get the nine men you need. So come tomorrow. You'll muddle through it or you won't. Either way, won't change the course of history. And I kind of like 
that he's laying it all out. These are all the things that avoids having to see more freaking scenes of pointless dialogue. Right. And uh, it's kind of poetic that he's just like, yeah, well, I don't know. We're, we're going to try and stop it and maybe we'll die or maybe we won't. And it kind of does lend a little bit of an Eve before the battle vibe that I like. Yeah. It feels, uh, you know, like it feels like he's saying who cares, which makes it very high stakes. <laughs> that's another spin i see it as more of a stoic kind of like uh you know well we all have to die sometime Let's... right so he visits the grave of his parents at some point yeah he goes to the oh grave. no it's not, it's not his parents grave it's it's his best friend mobley i thought it was going to be his parents and he he tells him to go fly with the spirit of the eagle and his dad the, is the waiting owl. for him or something yeah and then he finishes it with it's payback time. <laughs> yeah. So then we're then we're outside. That's where the eyeglasses conversation have happens. And then the bomb goes off, and that's where he hears the whole recap of Uncle Ray's dream is after the bomb goes off, right? It sounds right. Um, a bunch of ambulances pull up to the bank. We know they already had stolen 12 EMT uniforms. Chuck Norris does an amazing forward roll underneath a car up onto the curb he rolls like five times to get under the car which seems like that would make him more vulnerable than just rather than just running behind the car one of the bad guys has a submachine gun which are notoriously inaccurate so he's not able to hit (laughs) i mean there's literally a moment when walker texas ranger is dancing around bullets that that are hitting the ground around him yeah um cherokee roots the cherokees were renowned for being able to dodge submachine gun bullets everybody uh everybody runs out of the bank all of a sudden a fuel truck pulls up and it starts dumping fuel everywhere (laughs) the guys in the bank start shooting in the bank this is where walker chases the guy from the cia down and they have their it did feel like heat at that point like the the sort of outdoor plaza stuff yeah it was like, oh, that's kind of what happened in Heat. Was Do you think all the, this is where Michael Mann was got inspired? His inspiration. <laughs> he was like, I got to do something like Walker Texas Ranger. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did Manhunter. Now I need to do something. Um, we do have to do the uh, the Heat pilot that was because uh, he did Heat as a pilot, TV oh, pilot right, before. Right. So we definitely have to have to cover that in the near future. I think I just ran out of patience at this point because I don't have a lot more notes on what happened. Uh, oh, so him jumping over the car, that actually happened. Uh, Lynn Swan from the Pittsburgh Steelers was uh, uh, running into the end zone to catch the football, uh-huh. did not catch the football, kept running, like was running full speed. Somebody had parked a car right behind the end zone uh-huh. and somehow he jumped over the car like leapt over the car so so uh, just i feel like this is based on just sports fact yeah yeah i feel like this is an homage to the pittsburgh steelers of the 1970s this is also why later on he he throws him the the towel and goes here try it try a coke and a smile (laughs) anyway then we just go to the sort of endless coda to the show of oh before you do that yeah yeah this is where we get to walker here's uncle ray's dream in his head no apparent connection what's going on throws down his gun 
I guess that's what he learned to throw down his gun and face him hand to hand Mm -hmm. and then faces the guy. And it's clearly this is the lethal weapon moment. And there's mano a mano. And he beats him as we know he's going to fairly fairly easily. easily. Yeah. And so that's why I'm kind of saying like it's a weird moment of all this stuff has been done building up to that. This show is about to Walker, Texas Ranger. And there's not that much with Walker solving the problem at the end in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, nonetheless, he beats them. And as you're about to say... Ben well, then they have their charity rodeo to take care of. <laughs> and Jimmy gets dressed up like a clown. And he's like, I can handle this, no problem. Right. Then we find out that Walker is going to ride a horrifically dangerous bull into the ring. Right. The, the announcer says, here's, here's Walker, Texas Ranger, riding... 2,000 pounds of death and destruction, and Walker didn't know. He's like, I should have known you put me in for this. He had no idea that he was going to be riding a, a, a bull like that. Um, <laughs> he did. He was also, he won this championship before. There's no end to Walker's abilities. Right. So he rides it for, you know, however long the, the uh, you know, it's like 8.3 seconds or something. Yeah. That you're supposed it's, to stay on the bull. Eight seconds, right? Or is it no, 8.3. I don't know. I don't know Sean rodeos. Used to be a rodeo writer. I rode in a rodeo once. I'm not even kidding. Um, <laughs> I think you are kidding. No, I'm not. Are you, did you really? Yeah. Tell me this story. Well, it's a long story. I'll tell you when we're not recording. All right. But he gets. He gets. Eventually, he gets off the bull. He's on the ground. Jimmy comes to get him, and they look back, and the bull is pawing at the ground. And I think it was Jimmy who said, "Hoofing, hoofing at the ground." He was he was stomping his feet. He was on the claw, clawing, clawing. Yeah. Uh, Bulls have claws. That's their. And Jimmy says, "Does that mean he's going to charge?" Uh-huh. And they kind of go, "Uh oh!" And yeah. then they both run, and it's that classic, yeah. old school TV ending where they both leap up into the stands, and then it just freeze frames on the two of them in midair. A very you know the classic ending on a quote joke cop show kind of moment and i do wonder if that was their pattern from then on that it's just sort of like they have some lighter scene at the end yeah which was like 10 minutes long though very long and it's again the whole plot is totally on unne- this subplot is totally unnecessary yeah. is introduced very late it's one more thing of Ah, Walker, I tricked you into being charitable. CD, yeah, CD puts him in the middle of this. Well, that's why he goes, I should have known when he's when he's called out to to ride the bull. So there it is, Walker, Texas Ranger. I I did not enjoy myself for the most part. I, I thought it did some things that you're supposed to do in a pilot, which is like, we understand who all these people are. We're not going to forget, except for Mildred. We don't know anything about Mildred, but everybody. I really they, got under your skin. <laughs> He didn't. They didn't do it in a way that I found compelling or interesting. Yeah, but they serviced each character in a way that made them memorable, except for anybody bad who's not going to be back. They were definitely. Some might say the characters were too well defined in terms of all the exposition. Right, but they weren't defined in a way that was interesting, really. Right. Other than Walker, but yeah, I mean, you can definitely see it's. In the wake of this episode, where it's like, yeah, that's what the episode is. We're hitting our target. And you can see why it would have gone nine seasons, because it's it's so fulfilling the promise of a Chuck Norris 
concept other than I would have liked to have seen it be a little bit more ass kicky and uh, almost having be, him be more stoic. But maybe they thought, well, if he's more like movie Chuck Norris, mm-hmm. then you're not going to be able to sustain those relationships. So we got to soften him a little. I also do feel like with all the kid stuff that they were aiming for like a kid demographic. And as I say, I would love Which to know. Which makes sense because I think it was a show that came on like on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock or something like that. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, the other thing that happens is when you have all these bad guys and then you get rid of them by the end of the episode, you need a lot of people to fill that space every week. So can I just read you a list of some of the people who appeared on the show? Please. Luis Guzman. Wow. Giovanni Rabisi. Amazing. Toby, in a very Toby, young. Toby McGuire. Uh-huh. Danica McKellar. Toby McGuire was a villain or he was just a guest star? I don't know. I just right. saw a list of people. Okay. But to your point, these guys all would have been very young at that time. Yeah. Which means they're trying to do... They might have been in the uh, Haley Joel Osment kind of you know kid, kid roles. Right. Uh Doris Roberts. Okay. Robert she, England. She, she probably wouldn't have been in one of the kid roles. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Robert England. Burt Freddy. Young. Uh-huh. Robin. Max Martini. Do you know Max you know, Martini? Max Martini? He's been in a million... Th- he's always He always plays like a soldier or a cop. He most recently was on Bosch as a cop. Okay. But he's like that guy who in everything. You yeah. Know? Uh, Mila Kunis. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Wow. Danny Trejo, who uh, was actually sure. one of the kid one of the kid roles. <laughs> he, had, he did have a machete though. Yeah. <laughs> Dean Norris. Uh-huh. Uh Lee Majors. Wow. I wonder at what point in his shows that was. This must have been post Fall Guy. Yeah. Um Deion Sanders played himself on the show. Uh-huh. Also jumping over a car. I'm guessing he was friends with Jimmy from, you know. <laughs> oh, definitely. Something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John Schneider, uh-huh. uh, Joan Jett, Ernest Borgnine, Dion Warwick. This is an impressive list of guest stars. Mark Cuban. Wow. Uh, Hulk Hogan. I don't know why I gave the wow to Mark Cuban. <laughs> um, Selena Gomez was the last one, who probably would have been eight or nine years old. So Yeah, so it's just like it's a good launch. It's it, this, this is like uh, Disney, the amount of kids this launched. Yeah. Because you know he would he would train them he would train them how to sing and dance. Chuck Norris would. He loved singing and dancing. We're at this point in the show where we're still not sure if we should uh, rate it. we you know we don't know if uh, there should be some kind of an evaluation process. Would you watch episode two? No, neither would I. And I think that is probably the the definite thing that we should evaluate in every episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also it's like I guess that goes along with would you give this the green light if you were. That I would because it's it's like a no brainer, no brainer. Like it's like there will be an audience with it. You just wouldn't watch it, right? Right. It, 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 yeah, it would it would sustain itself. Like I, I think you could tell right away we have a hit on our hands. Right. Haggis is is already halfway through the screenplay of Million Dollar Baby because he's so <laughs> disappointed the show is so good. He's already sweating and having nightmares. All right. Well, folks, that is our show. We will be putting out episodes on the first and third Sunday of every month. So check back then for new episodes. We are Copilots TV on all social media. 
And you can also find us on copilotstv.com. If you want to know where to watch these pilots, I would do it in your living room on TV. But you can also check the show notes to find out where the place is that you can find uh, uh, each pilot. I'm going to take that one again. Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Well, then there you go. You nailed it. Yeah. So whether you like our show or, you know, you have other feelings about our show, just give us a five-star review, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It'll be very helpful to us. You'll get your pilot's wings. And uh, subscribe to our Patreon. One of the things that will be on our Patreon is Andy and I are going to have a karate fight. That's true. If you want to see that, you know, it might be. We do our own stunts, so we're definitely going to be injured my nose is broken oh yeah we'll see about that how about now still broken (laughs) how about now it's fixed Uh, but how about now broken again (laughs) so until next time just remember it's payback time your dad is waiting for you what's your dad is waiting for you he says that about mobley (laughs) oh is that what he says yeah that's hilarious and just remember guys we did this episode Mobley. He was so innocent, so young. <laughs> <laughs>